Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the AMA Podcast. My name is Matt Ruddick, your host as always. Thank you so much for downloading this week's episode. Coming up today, we've got Tyler Dobbs, our government affairs director here at the AMA. We're going to be talking a little bit about uh, some some of the, I would consider breaking news that's occurred over the last uh, week or so. Uh, we talked a little bit about it on AMA Air, if you guys caught that episode uh, back on September 15th, uh, you can still see that on our YouTube channel as well as at modelaircraft.org slash AMA Air. Uh, Crystal Pearson joined us to talk a little bit about this, but we're going to kind of deep dive on it a little bit here today with Tyler. Um, well, first of all, Tyler, thank you so much for joining us today on the show. I'm looking forward to uh, getting some of this information out there. Hey, Matt, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, there were a couple of things. So and, and we'll talk a, a little bit about um, uh, a White House meeting you guys had here in just a little bit. But first, I want to talk about this uh, letter. So uh, like I said, we we talked about this on AMA Air this week, uh, or last week, I guess, as you guys are hearing this. And uh, you guys really did kind of work together with some pretty major outfits, some pretty major organizations out there to come up with a letter. Uh, and, and I to send to the FAA. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. This is all kind of related to remote ID. Is that right? It is. Yeah. And the letter, as I'm sure you're aware, you can view that on our webpage, uh, modelaircraft.org slash gov. Um, we have that up so everybody can view it. The letter really grew organically and it's more than just a letter. Uh, we've got a few comments that, um, you know, are, are you guys doing anything besides this letter? And we are, and we can get into that later. But letter grew organically. Uh, Adam Woodworth and myself, uh, Adam is with Wing and is the chief technology officer over there. We had some discussions back in 2019 about remote ID, and we knew it was coming. Uh, we knew that it, what, the proposed rule would be uh, would likely not suit what we do, um, just from early rumors and and history. Honestly, um, working with the FAA and others in the past, uh, we kind of know that we have that that history of always being lumped into the same category and a one size fits all approach. So we wanted some discussions early on to see. Uh, what would make sense for our community and and the the traditional hobbyists as as well as others um you know really anybody who flies visual line of sight um we feel like those rules should not be as aggressive as the rules that govern uh, the aircraft that fly beyond visual line of sight so um we had those early discussions and we thought hey we work with the aa and we work with aopa regularly uh, they're in the same mindset, really, when it comes to, to model aircraft operations. Uh, so we all just started this discussion. Uh, we all work together on our official comment period or uh, comments, which can also be viewed on modelaircraft.org slash gov, uh, which is a much more lengthy document. Um, it kind of breaks down every part of the proposed rule and what a solution should be on those. But we wanted to have a united front from a broad group within the UAS industry. Uh, you know, you have manned aviation, you have the recreational modeling community, and then you have a wing, which is Google's sister company. So um, pretty vast groups there and, and coming together, together and saying, look, FAA, we understand that remote ID is being pushed by Congress and by all these security agencies, and we understand that you have to get a rule out. But we also understand that we need a rule that everyone can comply with, a rule that makes sense. Um, obviously, AMA wants to be exempt. We, we feel that visual line of sight operations should be an exempt operation. 
that being said, the security agencies are very powerful agencies, and right. they're really the driving force behind this. And they're saying, look, we want remote ID in some fashion on everybody, essentially. So if we're going to be forced down a path of remote ID and an exemption isn't going to take place, then we need a path that we can comply with and one that isn't going to come with a monthly service charge or a lot of extra equipage on your aircraft. And um, this group feels that, that the solution we proposed in this letter is the best solution. You know, so I'm, I want to take a, a small step back if we can, because AOPA and EAA, those are two organizations we've worked really closely with for many years. Um, and it's pretty easy to see how those two or, or the three of the three of us really uh, converge in terms of how we see the airspace. I know there are going to be a lot of listeners that are going to be listening to this and hear they're going to hear the word Google. We're talking about their sister company, Wing. I, I, they're going to have a lot of questions. How how did this relationship kind of form? Because I think at one time we saw kind of anything Google related on on a different uh, kind of on the different side of these things. I, th I think everybody had that perception. You're right. And um, it, it's important to understand that the technology group within Wing that creates the platform, essentially, that, that they fly, um, that's made up by a lot of modelers, a lot of AMA members. Um, and so they really were pushing from the inside on this, saying, look, guys, uh, we know this hobby. We know what the capabilities are and aren't. And we think we can come up with a better solution. So uh, that's really how this relationship started is by... Uh, what we what we've said and what we preach in the past, model aviation <laughs> is the stepping stone into all of these careers, aviation careers, and here's proof of that. Um, now we have we have modelers who started out that are designing platforms and, and technology for Wing and other organizations like Wing. And you know something that uh, Crystal echoed on AMA Air this uh, this past uh, this past week is this is the time for us all to come together a little bit and and. and speak with one voice kind of in a, in a certain way, uh, because I think that's going to be the, the most effective way to get our message heard. Do you, do you feel like this letter uh, helps us move in that direction? It does. Of course it does. Um, you, you know, we don't know exactly where we're at in this process. We, we have rules. Uh, there's the Administrative Procedures Act, which basically tells the FAA that, that they can't they can't be open about what is exactly happening with the proposed rule. But we do hear rumors, obviously, just like you hear rumors with about everything, every piece of legislation and regulation out there. Um, there's always some leaks that come through. Now, you don't know if those are 100% accurate or not. <laughs> right. um, but no different here. We've heard a lot of rumors. Um, and so we feel like it was a, a really good time that this letter came out. Um, again, we need to move forward and we need to continue moving forward under the impression that the FAA will meet their deadline in December of this year with a final rule. Um, but we also need to understand that there are a lot of, of links into this chain. Um, and so it takes a lot of approval, a lot of interagency work. And, uh, you know, some of those interagencies may not like what the FAA proposed, just like what we're not happy with the, what the FAA proposed. Uh, so we feel like the timing of the letter, um, it, we feel like it was a good time for that. And we're happy that we got it out when we did. Well, you know, obviously AMA's advocacy goes far beyond just this letter that you guys have now submitted to the FAA. Um, 
can you go into uh, and, and discuss a little bit about some of the other efforts that you guys are undertaking at this point? Oh, sure. Uh, obviously, we we came together with this group of four for this letter, but we work with a host of others in the UAS industry. And even if we don't come to a collaborative agreement like what this group did, uh, we often are able to move the needle of the other organizations, maybe even organizations that oppose us um, or oppose, maybe not us, but uh, an exemption for remote ID or even a scaled back version for remote ID. Once we show them what we're all about and what our community does and, and discuss our safety history and things like that, um, they're more willing to listen and more willing to say, you know what, maybe we don't need, need to be so dogmatic on this remote ID issue. Uh, so there's that side of things. We also meet with Congress uh, on a regular basis. I'd say that if I said in the past year I've had 150 congressional meetings over remote ID and, and this being implemented, I think I'd be low. But uh, if I had to put a number on it, I'd say we'd probably be somewhere around that. That's what the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee of the House and the Commerce Committee in the Senate, um, the both armed services committees, uh, everybody who really would have a hand in this remote ID rule, we've been pounding the pavement with them on a regular basis. Um, so so it's a, a joint effort from a number of organizations. Um, we're all trying to get the message out there to the FAA that the rule doesn't work just like the 53,000 people did during that comment period between December of last year and March of this year. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, okay, you mentioned it's it's policy. It's uh, may, maybe even mentioned it's legislation that the FAA can't really talk about the, what's going on right now, you know, the post-comment period. Um, you know, what do you see as the the future? Uh, I guess what can members expect to see in the near future, in the near term on all of this? I know they're saying that they want to have something ready by the end of the year. Is that something that you, I mean, if, if, you, if you had to lay stake on it, is that something that you think is, is feasible for them to, to accomplish? What's your vision for the next six months or so? Well, I hate to I hate to give my prediction uh, because it's strictly <laughs> you know a personal prediction. I'll say that if history, if we look at history, yeah. even on this proposed rule coming out, it was delayed numerous times. Um, it, we saw. Every six months, they'd say, we we need to push the rule back another six months. We need to push the rule back another six months. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happened. That being said, uh, AMA and other organizations are moving forward uh, as if this rule is coming out in December. Um, so we are at crunch time, and we are, are working with Congress and others as often as we possibly can to do everything we can do to change this rule before it comes out. Um, and that's what we'll do with this letter. That's kind of the next step is that this group will take the, the letter and our concerns back to Congress as one voice um, and share our concerns again. You know, this is this is a process as in all of these groups kind of go to Congress on their own and they say, look, this is our ideal ask for remote ID. Yep. Here's here's our 20 pages of comments we sent to the FAA. Um, and we feel that there's a strong a, a strong group within the UAS community that agree with us. Um, and, and the next group kind of goes and does the same thing. But when we can all come together um, and have a united front on that from, again, a, a wide, broad section of aviation, um, then that just even shows, you know, more support. And Congress can look at that and say, guys, uh, FAA, you guys need to really address this. We're getting, we're getting hammered by all sides here. So if you guys want to uh, 
take a look at this letter and read it in its entirety, we have that posted at modelaircraft.org slash gov. Um, you can, you know, read, it's a, but about a page and a half, I think, is that yeah, that's right, roughly something page, like that? Yeah. Um, so you guys can go check that out for sure. Um, now, Tyler, you guys have been, you, you just mentioned you've been meeting with, uh, with congressional representatives you know, all year long, uh, you know, at, at length, but that's not the only people you guys have been dealing with. So just within the last week, you guys took a meeting uh, with uh, some folks at the White House. Is that right? We did. Uh, yeah, we met with the National Economic Council at the White House. And that was in regards to a draft executive order on mm-hmm. foreign-made UAS. Um, I'm sure everybody who's turned on the TV in the last few weeks uh, understands the the anti-Chinese and sentiment that's going around Congress and, and the White House. Um, and that bleeds over into to UAS and model aircraft as well. So um, there's been an order. Uh, obviously, there's a, a number of national security concerns with some information gathering and, and that information being sent overseas to other countries. And we certainly respect that. And that's, you know, the country's top priority. Um, but what we want to do is make sure that that the concerns are addressed, but addressed in a way that doesn't uh, kind of lump everybody into to a group that they don't need to be lumped into. Um, and to elaborate on that a little bit is this executive order essentially says that federal agencies can't spend money on federal dollars on foreign-made UAS, and those foreign-made UAS can't be flown on or over federal property. Uh, now, when you say foreign-made, you're talking about in whole or in part. Is that correct? correct. Uh, there's a list um, of, of even parts that would, would be included. Uh, I think even a, a gimbal is mentioned. If the gimbal that holds the camera is foreign-made, then that would be included into the, the executive Which, let's order. be honest, that's going to exclude... I mean, 99% of the stuff out there. I mean, you know, yeah, really, yeah. I it's... Mean, there's, there are some, and I saw a news article um, that our education department shared with us last week, and there's some... some this is kind of a off the topic of this executive order, but there's some Department of Defense approved UAS, and one of them is made in China, and one of them is made in the U.S., I believe, and put together with foreign parts. Um, but the same platform, the Chinese made one $700, the DOD approved one is $7,000. Um, so there's a pretty big, pretty big gap there on on the cost well, associated yeah. with that to pay, you know. Uh, that exorbitant amount but, to be but, able to fly, but but the fact of the matter is, some of those components. I mean, you can't like they're probably, you know, this whether it be some sort of uh, flight stabilization system or servos or uh, it's going to be real hard to source some of those parts that are made in the U- in the United States. Right. Yeah. Right now, it certainly would be. Um, uh, that's not to say a company couldn't open up in sure. the U.S. and do that, but sure. you know that time frame, that lull in between the company getting up and running and getting those parts, um, that would obviously have effect on some people out there flying. Right. Uh, but again, back to that executive order, uh, it, it it would prevent federal dollars from being spent on foreign made UAS and prevent any foreign made or built UAS on or over federal lands. Um, so that could include EPA sites, Army Corps of Engineers sites, military properties, national parks. Um, so it could have an impact. Have in, a big impact. Ways. Sure. Yeah, I, that's that's the thing that's, that's scary because there's so many – I mean, I think about um, – uh, like the Civil Air Patrol, for as an example, you know, where we're we're getting, you know, different UAS and and 
and models in front of kids that are that are kind of at that age to be uh, really have that passion for aviation ignited in right. them. And something like this could easily put a stop to all of that. It could. Um, the White House was receptive. You know, we we shared our concerns. We said, look, national security, we understand. Uh, that is first and foremost in everyone's eyes, I think. Uh, the issue that we run into is we ha- we do have some foreign-made, what, what you consider UAS out there, that don't have the capability to connect to the internet, can't collect any data and send that anywhere. Um, we have trainer airplanes that are, you know, that many use to start this hobby out. So we ask that there is some sort of exemption for these aircraft that don't have the capability that you're concerned about. And the White House was really receptive about that. Um, you know, it was kind of a, hey, yeah, we really didn't think to include that. Um, we'd like to continue this conversation and, and you know, we'd like to call on you again as we continue to work on this draft language. So that was encouraging. Uh, we yeah. certainly appreciate the White House taking time to, to listen to our concerns and we look forward to continue working with them. Now, you mentioned that you know this is really going to have an impact on specifically on folks flying on on federal lands. Um, how can how would this necessarily impact uh, the average AMA member who may not be flying on on federal lands? They may be flying on a private. Yeah, so those those members, the typical AMA members, this wouldn't affect. Um, who it's going to impact is any member or club out there that's flying on one of those sites, an yeah. EPA site, an Army Corps site, military property, you know, an outlying field somewhere. It would also impact JROTC programs. Mm-hmm. Um, they have thousands and thousands of cadets across the country, as well as Civil Air Patrol. Um, those two organizations, we work with them on a regular basis, and they're they're scrambling to look for for platforms that they can use and that they can afford. Um, and being being made in the U.S. and meeting that requirement, they're just not out there right now. I, I imagine a $7,000 UAS yeah, is probably not in their budget. No, it's not in their budget. <laughs> um, you know, many of these these groups, they have an extremely low budget, so they're looking for the low hundreds yeah. uh, for these aircraft, and 7000 is just not going to work. So – you know, this executive order is not the only issue you guys are dealing with uh, when it comes to uh, foreign-made UAS. Um, there's something called the NDAA bill. I was wondering if you could spend a little time talking about that and, and what that's all about. Sure. So that's the Department of Defense reauthorization. And we see a similar section in that bill uh, in terms of how it relates to the executive order. There's a portion in there that basically says, um, you know, DOD and federal dollars can't be spent on these UAS aircraft and and discusses where they can fly and things like that. AMA was able to work with uh, Congress on this bill and get basically a, a waiver process put into place that would allow JROTC, uh, Civil Air Patrol, any educational programs within a community-based organization to go through a waiver process and be exempt from this. Again, it would it would fall under where they're flying, um, if they're flying next to a critical infrastructure, the type of aircraft they're flying. Uh, but we certainly appreciate Congress working with that, with us on that and putting that waiver process in place. Um, that bill, obviously, defense bills get passed relatively easy. It's an election year this year, so um, there was some issues that both sides couldn't come to an agreement on, and they've kind of stepped back and said, okay, let's wait till after the presidential election. We'll see how things play out, and then we'll move forward after that. They are conferencing the bill right now, which means essentially that the Senate and the House are putting both their bills together into one, um, and we're, we're 
got high expectations that our language will make it into that final bill. So again, just uh, appreciate Congress and the White House support on all of these issues that we brought to them lately and appreciate them working with us so closely. Very cool. Well, Tyler, you know, first of all, thank you again for joining us on the show. I know you got an incredibly busy schedule. You and your team work incredibly hard every day trying to make these things trying to move the needle on this on this stuff and you guys are doing a great job with it if uh folks have questions um that they want to reach out to you guys for how what's how should they do that where can they get in touch with you guys sure so you can email either either myself or crystal pearson um our email addresses are found on modelaircraft.org under staff and uh you can shoot us a you can give us a phone call if you want either whatever's you're more comfortable doing we're happy to take any questions you have so very good well tyler thank you so much again for coming on the show and uh uh, we will be sure to keep you guys informed of updates as they happen um again you can keep in touch with the uh government relations blog at modelaircraft.org slash gov and uh you know i'm i'm Really look, looking forward to seeing how how this plays out. I, I'm I'm I feel like I'm seeing some light at the end of the tunnel. Hopefully, you guys do as well. Um, we're working really hard on on your part, so let's keep the positive vibes a coming. Um, but with that, I want to thank all of you guys for listening this week to the AMA podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, we'd love it if you do so. We're on all the major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast, you can find us there. And of course, if you can listen right from your browser as well at modelaircraft.org slash podcast, where we release brand new episodes every single Monday. So be sure you're subscribed so you don't miss a single one. And hey, if you listen through Apple Podcasts, we'd love it if you leave a comment there, rate us. That'll help us move up and possibly be featured on one of their main pages. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for us, drop us an email at podcast at modelaircraft.org. Just come right into my email inbox. Keep those coming. I love getting those emails. And of course, if you're not already a member of the AMA, head over to modelaircraft.org. See what the AMA could do for you. We'd love to see you out flying very, very soon. And if you're already a member, thank you so much for your support. And with that, for everybody here at the AMA, thanks for listening. We hope you'll be right here next week on the AMA podcast.